You're listening to Plug In to Health with Prevea Health, exploring healthcare topics that matter to you, the latest developments in health and medicine, and the inspiring stories that emerge from Prevea Health, our partners, and the communities we serve. There are many risks associated with a COVID-19 infection, the most serious being death. While most will not die from a COVID infection, millions have worldwide, and millions more have gone on to develop what is commonly known as long COVID. It's a condition serious enough that healthcare systems around the world are dedicating specific resources to treating and researching it. That includes Prevea Health, which developed the Prevea COVID Recovery Clinic in early 2021. Dr. Katrina Severance is the medical director of the Prevea COVID Recovery Clinic and joins us for this episode of Plug Into Health. Thank you, Dr. Severance, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Can you first define what long COVID is or at what point are you considered to have long COVID? Of course. So in in the medical field, we call it post-acute sequelae of COVID, most commonly known as long COVID or long hauler syndrome. Um, This is typically somebody who's had symptoms for at least four weeks since the onset of their symptoms or their positive test, whichever one comes first. Okay. And what are some of the most common long COVID symptoms that you see in the clinic? What and what symptoms are most concerning or having the most impact on your patients? So the most common symptoms we see are fatigue, brain fog, a uh, new chronic daily headache, sleep disturbances, and that can be insomnia or hypersomnia, meaning they could either sleep less or sleep more throughout the day, uh, dizziness or lightheadedness. Um, any sort of change in smell and taste is not uncommon, and that's probably the most popular symptom people know about, but actually the most common one is fatigue. Uh, GI upset, so that can be nausea, that can be diarrhea, and it can be constipation. Uh, Mental health is probably another big one we see a lot of, and that can be anxiety, depression. If they were hospitalized, we've seen a lot of PTSD or post-traumatic stress syndrome. When you say, would you say fatigue is one, is one, definitely one of the most common? Definitely. Fatigue is the most common and probably the longest lasting of the symptoms and probably the hardest to treat in medicine in general. Chronic fatigue is very difficult to treat and very patient specific and dependent. Can you can you describe a little bit about what you mean when you say fatigue? I, I'm a mom. I, I have a full-time job. I feel like I'm fatigued or tired all the time. This is different. Sure. So this is different than your normal level of fatigue. Now we can see it in patients who have chronic fatigue, but in those patients, it's typically worse than their baseline. So your normal, which a lot of us have, especially around the holidays, fatigue, um, not that, but a change from whatever their baseline was prior to their COVID infection. And this can be feeling never well rested or what we call daytime somnolence. So even though they've slept eight to 10 hours, they still feel like they could sleep all day long. Um, they get tired easier. So their level of energy is very low. Um, so throughout the day, they may have difficulty doing just their everyday activities. So that can be doing the dishes, that could be getting the kids snow pants on, um, where everything is just a little bit more difficult than it was prior to their infection. And most of these symptoms do get worse with activity. So that can be something as simple as everyday housework, or that could be something as much as they used to do a three to four mile walk, and now they can only make it about halfway down the block, and they're already turning around because they're so fatigued. And, and are some of these patients, otherwise healthy individuals who may have been, you know, doing a lot of exercising or running or walking previously and now struggling? 
Well, so we do know that the severity of COVID infection does correlate to a higher risk for long COVID. However, we've had patients with very mild COVID disease in their acute symptoms have prolonged symptoms past that point. So in some people, it is a significant effect on their energy level, um, their ability to work throughout the day. Um, We've had people who've had to work shorter work days. Uh, We've had people who were training for a marathon and had to cancel um, their plans because they weren't able to continue their training. So it's it's variable between each patient how that affects them. How how common is it to develop long covid or what is the what is the chance that if you develop if you get infected with covid-19 what are the chances you could develop long covid? So there are a bunch of large academic center studies now and those averages are anywhere from 10 to 15% of patients who get diagnosed with COVID will develop long, long-lasting symptoms. And when you're talking about 34 million cases in the United States, that's a large portion of people that are affected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely puts it, puts it into perspective. Is there a why behind this? Do we know why this is happening? Why these symptoms are lasting as long as they are? Well, and that's something I think that's frustrating for patients and us in medicine is we don't have an exact why. We know other viral illnesses have caused a post-viral syndrome before, not to this degree. If I've seen maybe one patient a year um, for post-viral syndrome after influenza, it's, it's pretty rare. So the volume of this has been difficult to determine whether or not it's some sort of autoimmune dysregulation. Um, there's a hypothesis out there that it's the virus kind of getting stuck in an organ um, and that leading to their symptoms. Uh, we, we just don't know. There is a large study um, going on within now the National Institutes of Health where they're trying to collect data and develop uh, reasoning or risk category for who is going to develop this and what's the best treatment. So hopefully in the future, um, as everything goes right now, unfortunately with COVID, we'll be able to know more and be able to direct our treatment. What can you tell us so far about what we're seeing about who's being impacted the most by long COVID? What are, what are the factors? So one of the biggest ones is, of course, severity of disease. So the severity of their COVID illness. So our hospitalized patients, um, they will be more high risk to develop long COVID symptoms. However, like I said before, we do have patients with mild disease. We do know that women are more affected than men. Um, race plays a role. Um, Hispanic patients tend to have a higher risk of developing this. Our patients with autoimmune diseases tend to have a higher risk of this. Um, patients with previous chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia have a higher risk. So the picture, the full picture is yet to come, um, but we do have some preliminary data on who is high risk. And obviously one of the biggest things is unvaccinated patients. Unfortunately, um, they do have a higher risk of developing long COVID symptoms, and we are seeing in our vaccinated patients less risk of developing long-related symptoms. The other piece that's interesting, too, is about a third of patients who are long COVID um, sufferers can see an improvement in their symptoms after a vaccine. Um, I wish it was higher than that, but even a third of patients having improvement is is a pretty big deal. So even if they develop those symptoms, vaccine can still be helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's it's a good point to bring up, you know, if you you happen to be more at risk if you're not vaccinated um, versus if you are. Um, you know, it's another important reason to get vaccinated. Um, you are seeing firsthand how long COVID is significantly impacting lives, and probably not just the patients. It has a ripple effect. 
And it does. I think it's been a hard thing for our 30 and 40 healthy patients to say, well, why do I need this vaccine? If I get it, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to be hospitalized. First of all, that's not necessarily true. We do have young, healthy patients who are hospitalized. But the other part of it part is it's not just mortality we look at or death from COVID. We look at what's called morbidity. And morbidity is the disability or the effect that this disease has on the country. Um, so when you look at a mom or a dad let's say, for example, who develop long COVID symptoms, you know, they're going to have difficulty getting to work, working their full-time job. They're going to have difficulty parenting, difficulty within the relationships. Um, so it doesn't just affect yourself. It can affect your entire family um, and your coworkers, your friends uh, when you have those symptoms. So it's not just preventing the symptoms for yourself, but also the effect that it has throughout the entire community. So the data that we're seeing so far tells us a vaccinated person um, is less likely to develop long COVID or less likely to have more difficulty with long COVID or both? Both. So there was a large study out of Lancet in the UK that was just published recently um, in November that did look at a 50 to 75% reduction in risk of long COVID if you were vaccinated mm, okay. and still had a breakthrough case. If someone someone listening to this, whether it's themselves or a loved one, um, those symptoms have just been hanging on a little too long, or they're not sure if those symptoms that have been hanging on too long are serious enough, how do I know when to get help? How do I know when to call a doctor or call a COVID recovery clinic? So I think any time that you haven't seen an improvement in your symptoms when you're past that four weeks. We know most patients will have an acute COVID symptom for anywhere from two to four weeks. So there is this is a prolonged viral syndrome compared to other acute viral illnesses. However, if you're past those four weeks and you're still struggling and not at your normal quality of life or normal baseline or normal activity level, then it's probably time to at least reach out to your primary care doctor and they can get you plugged into some help. Yeah, so let's talk about that help. I What are you doing to, to help these patients? What, what can be done? So it's very patient dependent on how we treat them. So within primary care, we can treat any of their acute or their continued chronic symptoms. If they do need further evaluation, further testing, referrals to any of our specialty clinics, we of course will do that. Physical therapy we often will use. Um, but it is very patient dependent on their symptoms. So if their symptom is their loss of taste or smell, we may be able to do some physical therapy for that. If their symptom is headache, we may try to use some medications or some um, therapies for that, or we may have to refer them to neurology. So it is very dependent on each patient and what their symptom, prolonged symptom is uh, for us to decide what the next treatment step is. As somebody who, you know, cares for patients directly affected by long COVID, what are your words to, to those out there who say, I'm not afraid of COVID. I know if I get it, I, I, it's not going to affect me as much. It's like the cold. It's like the flu. I'll be fine. What are your words to those? I mean, I, I think if you ask any of us as physicians, as nurses um, that are directly treating these patients, um, this is nothing like we've ever seen before. Um, we prepare for this in our training. We learn about pandemics and epidemics throughout our training. Nobody expected this to happen, even though we should have. Um, and I think it's just understanding that we as a community and our choices do affect others. I mean, we have patients who 
are fully vaccinated who don't have a spleen or don't have an immune system because they're on immunosuppressants from a liver transplant, for example, who their vaccine isn't going to work as well. So if they get exposed to COVID from a patient and more likely an unvaccinated patient, they are not going to have the protection that the rest of us will. So although you may think that your choices just have to do with you, it is affecting other people. The majority of our patients in the hospital with severe disease are unvaccinated. And now that part is also taking away um, you know, from our ability to care for everyone for all different illnesses and complaints, not just COVID. And here we are. It's uh, We're recording. The date is December 21st, 2021 where you could say nearly two years into this pandemic, and now we have this rapidly spreading variant, Omicron. Um, what, what, are, what are you most concerned about? What are you looking ahead to at this point um, as a fish- physician and somebody on the front lines? I think the biggest thing is trying to protect those that can't necessarily be protected by, um, by vaccine or um, it, it, even the therapeutics are not going to work as well for them. So the, the medications and the things that we have to treat them should their disease get severe. It's all of us together that have to protect these patients and protect our community at risk. So it's not just one of us, and it's not just because you're young and healthy, or it's not because you're 85 and high risk. It's all of us trying to look out for each other and say, what can I do? And it's each each piece of that. So it's vaccine, it's masking, it's hand washing, it's watching how many of you are gathering, it's staying home when you're sick, and it's getting tested. You know, So as much as we can do all of those things to keep our community safe, you know, that's that's what I think all of us are looking for. You've provided some really, really helpful insight today. We cannot thank you enough for joining us. Is there anything we haven't asked um, that you want to address? No, I think if you're struggling with long COVID symptoms, reach out to your primary care doctor. Um, there are within Purveya, we have our COVID recovery clinics. So if you're a primary care doctor or you feel like you're not getting questions answered, you know, reach out to us. We're happy to see you. Um, we're happy to evaluate you and give you whatever recommendations we can as far as treatment. And know that you're not alone. You know, I think there it's hard if you know the rest of your family recovered from COVID very quickly and you have prolonged symptoms. Um, you know that that can make people feel alone, and they're, you're not. You know, I said 10 to 15 percent of patients out of 34 million in the United States. You're not alone, and reach out and get help. Dr. Severance, thank you so much for your time today. You can find more information about the Prevea COVID Recovery Clinic at Prevea.com. Also, please be sure to check out our last episode of Plug Into Health. It's titled COVID-19 at-home testing. Uh, Testing has always been a a critical tool in helping to prevent the spread of of COVID-19. Please tune into that podcast. You can learn more about how at-home COVID testing works and what you need to know when it comes to those test results. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Plug Into Health with Provea Health. To learn more and to submit ideas for future shows, please visit provea.com slash podcast. And please remember, the information provided in this podcast does not constitute medical advice. It is not intended to replace interactions with your healthcare professional. And if you are concerned about your healthcare, you should consult with your healthcare professional. You can learn more about Prevea Health at Prevea.com. Thank you for choosing to plug into health with Prevea Health. <music>